You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Barron, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Barron, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. All right. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. I thought you would do like a Halloween intro. (laughs) I was waiting for like something scary. There we go. There we go. Is that good? There we go. I kind of more like the the uh, Vincent Price, like, you know, horrifying cackle. You mean like from Thriller? F- exactly from Thriller. Thriller. <laughs> That's kind of his. Yeah, the end of the yeah. song. If right. you don't know Thriller, God, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode 72. 72. 72. That was Brad Phelps' football number in high school. Nobody. How do I know that? I'm just weird like no that. No one else is going to know that. Brad knows. Brad knows. Actually, I don't know if Brad listens. Actually, Brad doesn't know because he asked me once what his football number was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, okay, this play, is, we're talking played, high school stuff. He played a lot of football, so guy was a great football player. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so episode number 72, and what are we talking about today? What's well, going to go on? apparently we're talking about high school football, which I will say very quick, a very cool discovery this weekend. Oh, yeah. Your dad... He, just, <laughs> he discovered a time capsule. <laughs> Basically, he is, so I, you know I joined the military in uh, January of '91, and when I left, I pretty much put everything I had in about three boxes and left that with at my dad at his house. What all great kids do? They they pawn all your junk off on your parents. Here, hold this here, for me. Here, keep this for me. Well, it's uh, 2019, and Dad brought out those three boxes because he was cleaning out his he shop. Was, <laughs> he was cleaning out his stuff. <laughs> So, you know, 29 years later, I get to go through the boxes that, that I had out there and, of course, found a bunch of, you know, all high school stuff, pictures, you know, letters, photos. Okay, there was a huge thing on the internet this weekend during the CrossFit Open. One mm-hmm. of the athletes wore, it was a male mm-hmm. that wore what they were calling a crop top during his workout. <laughs> Which was funny because what did you find in your box? I found what we called half shirts. They were called half shirts in the 80s, not crop tops. Yep, they were half shirts uh, that we wore underneath our shoulder pads. That was our, you know, our practice jersey basically under our shoulder pads with our half shirt. And I found mine that I had from high school. I still have it. I wish you would bring it in so I could wash it and you could wear it. <laughs> it pro- you probably couldn't even get your shoulders uh, in. No, it now. I could not get in. I put, I weighed about 145 pounds in high school, and yeah. I was a rail like just skinny. you were a lean mean yeah. fighting machine. I look like Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> so we also you also found a box of notes from high school, and we're just wondering if there's one in there from me. There could possibly be one. I haven't gone through. I don't remember if I wrote you notes or not. That's one of those things where it's like, man, can I really sit down and go through like notes from high school? That's, there's notes from other girls, I'm quite sure. So there's we'll just notes leave that from alone. all kinds of people because you know in high school we're so smart. Oh, yeah. We say the smartest things. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even want to know what I had said in a note to you in high school. I did read a couple, and they were pretty funny. They were just straight-up <sighs> hilarious. 
Well, kids, you know, kids. we love them. We Do got we? kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, well. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about today? So besides gonna, high school. Well, besides high school, I ran. I ran track in high school. I was fast. Oh. I'm not fast anymore. I'm just. I was just throwing that out there. Okay. Because we're going to talk about. Because we're going to talk about running. <laughs> So we did Running. on Saturday. Uh, there was a friend of ours who was raising money for uh, for Rett syndrome. Um, R is it R H E T T? It's R E T T. R E T T. Yeah. Rhett, so Rett syndrome. Uh, it it affects mostly young uh, girls, but it it's a it's a pretty um, disabling uh, disease that they're trying to fix. Anyway, we do, we're work, we're operating with the fundraiser. They're raising money to help uh, to find a cure. And we decided we were going to do, what, 10 miles, I think we said? That's what we said. That's what we yeah. said. So you had to, you know, like, you were trying to accumulate as many steps as possible on Saturday for the fundraiser, and 10 miles sounded fine. Well, we had, we had both run, ran eight miles previously, so the previous weeks we'd run about an eight-mile run, and it seemed easy, and, and our plan was to, we'll walk one just to get it in, and then maybe we'll run six or seven miles, and then we'll walk a few more. Yeah. That was our plan. Well, we kind of slept in late. It was weird. I didn't get up till eight o'clock. It was cloudy, and this, you know, it's that time of year where the sun comes up a little late, so yeah. it's way easier to sleep in because it's a Saturday morning. Who doesn't want to sleep in on a Saturday morning? Come well, on. Well, everyone was quiet. The dog was quiet. The cat wasn't jumping on me, and I, I guess everybody was sleepy because no animals were waking me up, which is usually what happens. Yeah, so we didn't get up till, and it was eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We were basically zombies. I was. I was literally, I felt like, what happened? <laughs> so so usually by that time, we've already started working out. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and since we got up late, I was a little hungry. So I said, hey, why don't we eat something before we run, which we never do. And the only thing I can ever eat before working out is just like boiled eggs and bacon. That's my favorite thing. It, it affects me the least, which I thought, oh, we'll be safe with... Our fat coffee, which is normal, mm-hmm. and then boiled eggs and bacon, yeah. which is what we had. And then we'll just go run 10 miles. Just go run 10 miles. No big deal. That did not work out at all. Oh, no. It did not. So the eating, and and this is when we get into fasting and not fasting and fasted cardio or fasted workouts because we get that question a lot. Should I, should I work out fasted or not? And often it boils down to not whether or not it's healthier for you. It's how you feel. It's how you feel when you do a fasted workout. And we feel really, really good when we work out fasted. Yeah, I, I started that. Well, we did the one mile with the dog and then brought him back and then started our run. And the no joke, the first tenth of a mile, I was like, I want to quit. I just want to quit. I want to quit. I want to quit. I want to quit. Well, <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with me? Well, I have been, so I had been using some uh, compression socks to help with, uh, you know, some, I had some calf pain. And when I wore them after a long run, it helped with calf pain and it helped with knee pain. It made my knees feel a little better. So I thought maybe I'll start off running with the compression socks and see how that feels. I think I made it like half a mile before I sat down and took them off. You did. I saw you sitting on the curb and I was like, what's wrong with Steve? Because I'm about to pass him. That's not normal. And um, yeah, so you said you were having a calf cramp and then I was like, I just want to quit. It was. It made it really hard to run uh, with those compression socks. So I sat down, took them off and then tried to get back into it. And I just never found a rhythm for the run like the whole time. I know if it was the mental aspect of it being a Saturday and my long runs are always on a Monday and so if I was just kind of like uh 
the day before it had been super cloudy and rainy and cold all day. We 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 did a few things mm-hmm. like we had some coffee with a little bit of heavy cream in it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And um, just then the Saturday morning, eating the breakfast before, even though I waited for an hour before I started, it still just, it, it made me feel different. I felt like my body was shuttling all this energy to digesting. Right. And my legs felt so heavy. And that never happens hardly and, ever in my run. And that's one of the things that everybody talks about for fasted uh, cardio or fasted workouts is that you feel clean energy. Like you really feel uh, energized and motivated and, and ready to go. And it seemed like after I ate that food, I just kind of, I just didn't want to do a whole lot. My body wanted to just digest and not do anything else. Yeah, I think, you know, it was that. And then the schedule changed because of the weather, because we have our outdoor gym and it was raining sideways on Friday <laughs> and it was cold. So we couldn't do that. So I took Friday off, which is never normal. It just threw the whole thing off, and then the eating and the sleeping late. It just was a nightmare. We got it done. We did all, we, I mean, we logged a lot of steps. We did like seven and a half miles run, and then we did the other two and a half with, uh, Walking, yeah, just walking, and and so you know, and and the run for me was so sporadic. It's like I'd run and then I'd start going real fast, which is supposed to be a long run, so it's not you're not supposed to do that. But I was like, I'm feeling good, I'll run. So my uh, my miles were like anywhere from like eight and a half to like eleven minutes. They were just all over the place. All over the place. Mine were mostly like walk and then run a little bit and then walk again and then run some more. So, I was having a hard time. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, so if you're a, you're a fasted, you know, cardio person, you understand what we're talking about. But if you've never tried it, you've never tried it, tried doing fasted cardio or a, or a fasted weight workout, uh, we recommend it because we feel like that that's the the best way to work out. Exactly. And we we do have to say that you know, all of you guys who do this kind of activity, you know, you have good days and you have these great workouts. Not every workout is going to be a slam dunk, you know. No. There are going to be workouts that are super hard no matter what your diet is. And this was just one of those days. And the the long run previous to that was so easy that it was just like, what? Why is this one so hard? But that does happen, mm-hmm. and you just get through it. And sometimes, if it's if it's painful, that's a time to stop. But if it's just hard, and you're mentally just not in it, sometimes you just have to push through. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But uh, one of the things that, uh, that go along with that is is making sure uh, your electrolytes are balanced because we had just started running the heater. That's one of the things. Is, yeah, you know. That's- that's true. You know, we just started running running the heater in our house, and when you run the heater, it dries you out. And I know it dried me out. The first night we ran it, I woke up probably about 4 in the morning, and I was very dry. My lips were dry. My mouth was dry. And, uh, you know, I just started to notice in that. And, and we were talking about this before we came on about how when it gets cold— you don't want to. You don't want to drink as much water. You don't feel like always putting the water in, opposed to when you're hot and you're you're just shoveling that water in. Um, so you have a tendency to get dehydrated. Yeah, you're probably more um, consistent with your water and salt intake when it's hot, because it you're just sweating, so you're thirsty, and you need to cool your body down. And then this was really hard, and that could been a could have been a large portion of Saturday being difficult because we did run the heater Friday. It was very cold. You don't realize how much liquid your body is losing because you're not sweating, but mm-hmm. you are evaporating 
a lot of water, even while you sleep. You lose a tremendous amount of water while you sleep. And then when you're running the heater, it's even more. Right. So we have uh, humidifiers in our bedroom and in our son's bedroom. We run them at night just to you know, increase the moisture so you don't get, you don't, you don't get so dried out. Yeah, because this is a really difficult time when of year when that weather starts to change. And, you know, you have to start drying your, your air in your house just gets super dry. And it's so hard. <laughs> so talking about difficult uh, time of year, this Thursday is Halloween. Is it difficult? It's for difficult. You? It's difficult. It's not difficult for me. For me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's difficult for a lot of people because no, it is. We all know what starts uh, basically this time of year, Halloween, all the way through the new year. It's cold and flu season, and we're going to talk about why that is. Well, okay, we know that kids this weekend have already gone trick or treating some, and we know <laughs> that it, coming up this week that there will be a lot of trick or treating, and we're pretty confident that a lot of people are going to be giving out candy. Right? A lot of candy. A lot of candy. A lot of sugar. And then all of a sudden, somebody's going to come down with the flu and they're going to be shocked. What? Yes. They're going to be shocked. I got the flu? I've got the flu. What happened? It's flu season. It's, that's what happened. That's what happened. It's no, flu season. No, it's candy season. We've said this before. Right. It's sugar season. <laughs> it's sugar season. And it starts now and it goes all the way through the new year because because we're going to have all the Halloween candy and you're going to have leftover Halloween candy all the way up until Thanksgiving. Then you're going to eat a lot of pie. And then you're going to eat a lot of pie. Some people will drink some alcohol, um, you know, and then continue to eat leftover pie for the entire... A lot of carbs. A lot of carbs. Just a lot of carbs. People... Now, you keto friends of ours, you're probably in carnivore friends, you're probably not doing that. But all your family might be, and all your other friends are going to be doing this, and they might come down with a flu, with the flu or a cold or bronchitis or all kinds of things. And they're going to be shocked. And then you can tell them the reason why this is happening. Now, if you're strong of will, it's really not that big of a deal for Thanksgiving. We've been doing it because there's a lot of meat. There's turkey. There there's ham. There's usually sausages. So yeah, you can stay keto carnivore if you want to. You can. And if you're new to this and you haven't heard our episode previously that we probably did last year at this time when we did talk about it's sugar season yep. and what happens anytime you have sugar then what happens is your immune system is weakened. That's just the way it works. And so when you're consuming a lot of sugar and carbohydrates, your immune system gets weaker and then you are exposed to a virus or a bug and you get it. That's just what happens. And so if people around you are suddenly coming down with the flu and the colds and all these things, you know, it might be that they just had quite a bit of carbs and they left themselves open and vulnerable to these um, viruses and bugs that are going around. Right. And that's why, you know, this is flu season. More people get sick. They spread it more. You know, it's just everywhere. But if you stay, you know, on point with your diet and don't overconsume sugar or carbohydrates, you're probably going to stay healthy. Yeah. I know probably we, ha- so. we haven't been sick except for minor instances of just not feeling well a day or two. In that whole, you know, Christmas, New Year's time frame. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think I I got something a couple of years ago, and was not really down. I still cooked for people, but yeah, you, you know, I just didn't well. feel great. But and, and that's a difference between uh, I've seen online where people will be down for like in bed for five days. I haven't been sick where I've had to be down and in bed, and I don't even I can't even tell you. Well, I, I know, and, and I I tell people this all the time. It was two thousand eight. It was July two thousand eight. Was the last time I was sick and in bed. I remember it very vividly because it was it sucked. Yeah, um, but, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. But uh, but since then, 
I've never had to miss work because I'm sick or, you know, but I've went to the times of not feeling well. It's not like I never, uh, you know, have any issues. You don't feel well, but you can soldier on and, and not have to miss work. Right. And so if you get caught up in this season of sugar, how are you going to remedy that? Well, one thing you can do, and we should probably mention, is if you do a 24-hour fast mm-hmm. immediately following that, which sometimes is really hard after you've eaten candy and sugar and carbs and everything. But if you do that, you can really get back into ketosis. You can strengthen your immune system and clean out all the junk out of your body. If you want to go hardcore, you can do a 48 or a 72-hour fast and really get back on track. Yeah, you will. And you'll get uh, back on track fast. It's weird, though. When you do start to get sick, the first thing you start to crave is the the carby, sugary foods. Yes. Because your body starts, when you start to get sick, your body starts dumping glycogen stores. Yes. So it's asking you to refill those with sending out that craving of of looking for that those sugary treats. Yeah. So you you really have to be strong up up front and and understand those urges and what they're doing to you. Right. And one of my biggest tips I think for any of you guys is to either make your own bone broth and freeze it in portions in your freezer or to buy some good quality packaged frozen bone broth, like Bonafide Provisions. Um, They carry it now at a lot of Walmarts and natural grocers and different places like that, that you can get frozen. Keep that in your freezer just for those instances when you do get sick, because the best thing you can do is sip on that bone broth and it just replenishes your electrolytes, add plenty of salt to it, add some fat to it, like butter if you want. That's one of my best tips for this time of year. Keep bone broth in the freezer. Well, and, and in addition to that, something that we have in the house is manuka honey. Yes, manuka honey, which is if you're if you if you're diabetic, or if you have a real severe sugar issue, that might not be the best thing. But a little bit of manuka honey in your mouth and swallow it. If you get that itchy throat, it does help, and it is antibacterial. It's not keto, but some people kind of consider it carnivore. It's, it's, if, you're getting, it's, if you're getting pure honey, it's a natural product. It is. And it does have medicinal purposes. I don't think that, you know, any of you guys are just going to go eat the whole jar like Pooh Bear. <laughs> well, once you see how much it costs, you will not. No, yeah. You get a good brand and, you know, of Manuka honey or your local honey. And obviously, again, we know this isn't keto, but when you're sick, a little bit of that goes a long way if you do get sick. Well, if you mix it in with some green tea or... Green tea you know, and honey and a little squeeze of lemon, it's way better than cough syrup. Yeah. You're, We're just going to say that. You're really going to boost your immune system with stuff like that. Yeah. And that's what's important and that's what you're trying to do along with hydrating and all other good stuff. Now, if you have food, uh, food sensitivities, I can say that, or food allergies, uh, that's something else that we want to talk about today because... Uh, when Melody works with clients, a lot of times uh, they they come to us with a lot of food allergies or food sensitivities. Right, they do. A lot of people will go and get a food sensitivity test or a food allergy test, and, and they'll come back and it'll have a list of things that they're allergic to or sensitive to, and they have and it's stuff that they eat all the time. Well, there's something to that. Yeah. So, um, just this time of year, this is the time of year when people. I'll just say it. We break our guts this time of year. Yes, we break them. We break our guts. People get sick. They take antibiotics. That destroys your gut health. People drink more alcohol this time of year. That destroys your gut health. 
People eat a lot more sugar and carbohydrates. That destroys your gut health. So then all of a sudden people don't feel good and they have these food sensitivity tests and they're allergic to every single food. Well, it's not really that you're allergic to everything. You just kind of have this leaky gut that if you get that healed up, a lot of those food sensitivities and allergies will go away and we have to start working into your digestion first and make sure you're breaking food down in the stomach first. So it's really not that difficult. Don't freak out if you have one of these panels done and it comes back saying you're allergic to everything from, you know, avocados to zebra. I don't know if you're eating zebra, but, you know, A to Z. So, you know, just, just F, I guess I should say zucchini to keep it. No, zucchini is a plant. It is a plant. And, and so is an avocado. It's a fruit. I don't have anything against plants. I just don't eat them. That's true. I respect their livelihoods. I want to talk about <laughs> avocados in a second. But anyway, food sensitivities and food allergies will creep up this time of year for people. And all of a sudden you'll be like, why am I breaking out? Because I always eat cheese or I always eat this and I never have a problem. Well, it's because you broke your gut. Right. So you broke yourself. You caused a, a, a permeable gut to happen and you eat foods. They, they leak. Your body has an immune response, so it shows up as you're allergic to that food. Right. And will you be allergic to it forever? Well, we can't really predict that, but you can do certain things to really start healing and sealing that gut. And one of the best things you can do, again, is that fast. Fasting is going to do cell turnover and it's going to produce cell turnover in your body and just regeneration faster than anything else will. But you can also do it on a slow road with some gut healing protocols and, um, you know, we do that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you go to your, uh, get sick and go to your doctor and you ask them what you need to do, oftentimes they're going to tell you that you need to rest and you need to hydrate and just do things like eat chicken soup. Well, the chicken soup people, most people eat is not very good because you get it out of a can. Uh, when they go to hydrate, they drink Gatorade. Yeah, or Pedialyte. How many people call us and say, well, I'm drinking Pedialyte? And I'm like, why are you drinking that crap? Yeah, it's very, very both those products very high in sugar. So <laughs> you're, they're telling you to, they'll tell you to drink Gatorade. A doctor will tell you to drink Gatorade. Or Sprite. Or Sprite. Crazy. So those things are extremely high in sugar, and that they're going to decrease your ability to fight that that problem. It's going to you know decrease your immune system. So... Why don't doctors know this? Uh, well, <laughs> well, they're not educated in this type. Our doctor of issues. friends know it. Well, our doctor friends do, and and I just saw uh, this on uh, it was Dr. Ken Berry posted it about someone that contacted him, and he went to his normal doctor and was talking to him, and that normal doctor gave him all the the same crappy, shitty, no good advice that. Uh, you know, a lot of doctors have given over the years of you just need to work out more, you need to eat less, you need to watch your calories, you need to do, do low fat, eat lots of wheats and grains, and uh, none of that stuff works for that person. Like, none of it. None of it works for any person. Well, it, none of it works for, an, unless you're like 20 years old and you're just, you, you can you can out-exercise all those bad habits like True. I did. Um, you know, but once you start to age, all those issues are, are, are going to show themselves. But you know, doctors just aren't educated in how to treat people with a nutritional protocol. No, they're not. And, you know, like a lot of people that back to this food sensitivity and food allergy thing, a lot of people will go and they'll have this done and then the doctor won't really be able to tell them why. Right. This they don't is know happening. why. They'll just tell them don't eat these foods anymore. And that, well, you know, that's like your favorite because usually it's what you eat the most. It is. So, you know, if you eat eggs all the time 
and you go to have a food sensitivity test and you have a leaky gut, you're going to be allergic to eggs because that's the protein floating around in your blood because your gut is leaky and it didn't break it down appropriately. So that's just what happens. But why a doctor doesn't know that is just because they don't receive the education. And there's a really good reason why they don't get this education. And it goes back to the formation of the American Medical Association, which is so interesting. Yeah, so let's get into conspiracy theories. Oh, I love conspiracy theories. Because <laughs> we have lots of them. Uh, so Melody was doing research, and uh, when they first started the American Medical Association, that was pretty much, you know, to... They were trying to get doctors together to try to uh, ostracize or, uh, you know, just exclude the more holistic natural doctors out there. Well, so it all kind of goes hand to hand, hand in hand. You get the pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. thriving and growing, and all of that was a byproduct of some of the steel production and aluminum production and all these things. And yep. we know the big names in those companies, mm-hmm. Carnegie's, Rockefeller's, you know, such and such. But during that time, you've get, you get the American Medical Association formed because they're retraining doctors, right? They're mm-hmm. going to retrain them on how to use pharmaceuticals instead of these natural and holistic approaches, which some of the approaches, let's just say, they should have been thrown out, like bloodletting and leeches and junk like that. <laughs> right. Probably should have thrown some of that there stuff some, out. What did we see on the show the other day? The guy had a hernia. And the, and the doctor was like, all he needed was some pipe smoke up his butt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because doctors used to be called healers, not doctors. Mm-hmm. They were called healers. And so during this time when the American Medical Association was formed, practices like for hernias blowing pipe smoke up someone's behind got like, <laughs> you know, that probably should have been like, you know, discarded. But all the they threw the baby out with the bathwater, so right, to speak. right. They probably had good intentions trying to exclude the the, the snake oil salesman and the, the crazy people, right? Making a uh, you know the American Medical Association of, of good doctors, right? So they were getting rid of the people using herbs and holistic treatments, and you know chiropractors were a big deal yeah. back before the you know up until the 1930s, and they really were. It was sort of a witch hunt. It was like if you were caught using a practice of holistic care, you were ostracized. You had to go and get credentialed from the American Medical Association before you could be a licensed doctor, a medical doctor, and they rebranded the whole thing. And they went around. There was They formed a committee to go mm-hmm. around and hunt these people down who were not using pharmaceuticals and following... Their protocol. Right. Their protocol. Yeah. That's the point. Their protocol. They deemed which was what was none, good. None of it was based on any science either, like like many things that we have today, like right. the food guidelines. Now, there, there are some there are great things that come out of modern medicine. We know that. Surgical procedures, antibiotics, all these things. That are Doctors washing their hands. Yeah. All, all those things were great things. But we've, we've gone so far to one side that we've excluded the functional medicine, which is now making a comeback. It really is. And I mean... I don't know any doctors out there who are blowing pipe smoke up someone's behind for hernias, but the fact that someone would use food as medicine, you know, that seems like for people now, it's like a, it's like a, a novel idea. Well, You're using food as medicine? Recommending someone drink Gatorade when they're sick is, is equivalent to blowing 
pipe smoke up somebody's butt to fix a hernia. Yeah, I it, guess it, it, it is. It is it is almost the same because it does about the same thing. Nothing. Well, you know, there's a lot of procedures that we've thrown out. Like what you know, if if people had um, some mental disorders, there was like the frontal lobotomy. Oh, jeez, man. You know, thank God they threw some of these right. things out. Yes, but yeah. So yeah. you know. Um, Again, doctors just don't right now. The, the mainstream doctors aren't as educated. I think that a lot of the new doctors coming up are are a lot better because I mean, there there are doctors out there that are healing people. Doctor Ken Berry, uh, Doctor Adam Nally. Um, I mean, there, there's a bunch of great doctors yeah. that embrace this type of lifestyle. So uh, find yourself one of those good doctors. Exactly. And what's crazy is to think that you know, not even really a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a hundred years, we've screwed things up so bad, <laughs> you know, we've just messed it up. Yeah, we got rid of some, rid of a few quacks, but honestly, there's still some really bad people out there practicing medicine and they're doing it with pharmaceuticals now instead of like, you know, bloodletting and leeches and weird stuff that... Well, you know, if you're a, a, a just say a 60-year-old doctor and you've been doing this for the past 20 30 years, whatever you've been doing it, you're not out there doing research and trying to educate yourself on new things. They, no. they get pretty set in their ways. And and that doctor example I gave earlier, that's what it was. It was an older doctor who was like, I've been doing this for years. This is the way we do it. Right, right. There's not any kind of like new um, information coming their way. No, he's not. They're re- not searching it out. He's not looking for the newest thing on diet and nutrition. He's just following the, the standard old guidelines that are out there. Yeah. And we and know that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work. And it's it's actually, we can, I mean, all you guys know that. It doesn't work. That's why we're in the mess we're in. So, <laughs> yes. and, and we're creating a new mess, I think, with this whole game. We talked about the Game Changers movie last week yeah. a little bit. We actually tried to sit down and watch this. It was horrible. I couldn't get through half of it. I just couldn't do it. So what I did instead, and if you don't want to watch it, you can do the same, just go listen to somebody else who's watched it and is like, you know, giving their take on it. Like I watched Ryan, Dr. Ryan Lowry. I watched his um, YouTube video as he dissected it. And it was way easier for me to listen to him than to watch the movie. Yeah. The video was like <laughs> 10 minutes and the movies, you know. Well, it was, no, it was like an hour, but. Oh, his video? Yeah. Oh. You were doing other stuff. I was listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but several people have done it. I know Sean Baker did one. I haven't mm-hmm. listened to his yet or, and, and, you know, it's pretty much you watch it and it was so difficult to get through even the first 30 minutes of that movie. Well, the, the deceiving and the lying and the, the fear mongering and the scare tactics is what it just upsets you because they're trying to scare people into going plant-based. They are. And, and, in that vein, I started watching this other series on Netflix called Rotten, and you're not going to agree with every documentary you watch, and you should research all these things when you do watch them, because I had to. I watched one on avocados. It was called The Avocado Wars, and I was like, what is that? And they showed people like in like guerrilla warfare gear, you know. And, and you're like, who's like, fighting over avocados? What is going on? Is there a sale that I don't know about on avocados? And um, is there a shortage? Well, apparently there is. And what's happening on that video is that they're talking about all the things that happen around the production of avocados. It made me never want to eat an avocado again because they did talk about how much water it takes to produce just one avocado. 
And it was 18 gallons of water to produce one avocado. And I was like, is that true? They can't be right. Right. They can't be right. I was like, they, and, and I posted about it on Facebook and I had the same response from several people. That can't be right. That's got to be for the whole tree. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. But I went and did some more research on some, and, and every rep website that I looked at had the same kind of information. It would be like, it's 73 liters of water to produce one pound of avocado, stuff like that. And I was like, that's a lot of water. That's a whole lot of water because a pound of avocados, if you've bought them, you know a pound of avocados is not very many. Yeah, and most of those avocados come from Mexico. So yeah. when, we, when we talk about, again, when we get into environment and, you know, being good with the climate, you know, if you get all of your food from Mexico, that, that's not next door, even for us, then we live in Texas. Right. And then there was a lot of other aspects to it. And so this is the plant-based aspect that nobody really thinks about. There are people in Mexico and in Chile that are being kidnapped because people want their land to produce the avocados. So they're kidnapping these farmers, holding them for ransom, and their family members. And there was just a lot of human drama around the production of avocados. Besides the fact that it takes so much water, they've depleted all their water sources and destroyed the ground in Chile where they're growing a lot of avocados for export to China and to the U.S., and their ground is like destroyed as they're having to, uh, they privatized the water. Someone came in and privatized it. And now the Chileans have to buy that water to be able to uh, raise their crops of avocados, but they don't have water to drink. So what's more important, the avocado on your burger or a human life? I'm going to go with humans every time, but the plant-based people, and that's just avocados, you know, the plant-based movement is pushing people to just consume tons of these mono-agriculture crops, and it's destroying people's land. And yeah. you talked about the quinoa last week. Yeah, the quinoa, that, that is a really a big issue. And, and you talked about almonds. Like, uh, a lot of people eat almonds and or drink almond milk or whatever, and yeah. it takes, it was 1.2 gallons 1. per almond. 1.1 gallon of water. And I'm not joking when I say it's for one almond. <laughs> one almond. Yeah, that's a lot of water. So that's a lot. Just think, a handful of you know five almonds, that's five gallons of water right there. Yeah. That, that's a lot. I'm, I mean, I, I know we've said this before, and we're not trying to fear monger and scare you, but we've said this a thousand times, is that the next big crisis is not going to be meat or food or what. It's going to be water because without the water, nothing happens. No food is produced. Right. I've been saying that for a, a, a decade or decades at least, that, that the crisis in the future is going to be all about water. That's really going to yeah, be it. Yeah, it's just water. and. It's a little bit scary that it takes that much water to produce one almond when I see the amount of almond products on the shelf. Right. It's a, it's a little unnerving. It's crazy. And so um, just be, you know when somebody starts telling you that meat's bad for the environment and it, you know it's no good, uh, you know just be a little educated on that plants aren't better for the environment. No. In, in no way, shape, or form. No, and it, you know when that's not even talking about the transport. And Correct. that's just talking about the growth. And that was like all the water that I'm talking about is minus the rainwater that happens. That's the water that has to be irrigated into the crops, mm -hmm. then brought in as a you know surplus against what comes naturally from the earth. 
So it, it is a lot uh, to consider. And I know people are going to say it takes a lot of water to raise a cow. Well, it does, yeah. But the cows are at least putting something back into the environment. Right. Poop. As far as their poop, yeah. Yeah. So they're refertilizing the ground that they, yeah. they walk on. So that, that's an important, you know, when you get into that circle of life kind of thing with, with raising ruminant animals, how that all that works. Yeah. Where, you know, if, you, if you're doing, you know, mono agriculture, growing one crop and destroying the land, then that's not beneficial for anybody. Yeah. So just all, you know, things, food for thought, if you will. <laughs> Is that our new segment? <laughs> food for thought. <laughs> I just came up with that. That should be I good. like it. All right. Okay. We're going to never do that again. Okay. <laughs> So, so anyway, that's kind of uh, what we got going on this week. Um, we talked about everything. We talked about pretty much everything. Um, everything. Everything. And we can. We can talk about a lot of crazy stuff. We, we have these conversations every day at the breakfast table, not only with us, but with our son. He's very educated on these you know, important issues as well. He is, but somehow he always turns it to World War II. He does. He always like, talks about World War II. And back II. in World War II, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, why? Why are we doing this? Anyway. Back to us. Yeah. That's what we do. The last thing I got is so uh, here's the deal. It's that time of year where it gets a little colder and a little rainier. So what do we do? We need a gym membership. So, I know. So we went back to our old gym, the old new gym, I guess. Our old it is. new gym, yeah. yeah. How do we even classify that? I don't know. Well, you know, they, they had, when we first started going to uh, what they call Fit and Wise in Decatur, uh, it was. It was attached to the hospital, and they built a brand new facility that's really nice. It's literally as nice as, I'm going to say, a Lifetime Fitness, but it's half the price. Half the price. <laughs> so, uh, and the reason, you know, it, it, it gets that time of the year, when, and you want to throw weights around. We have an outdoor gym. You're not so motivated to go out there when it's misty and 45 degrees, and all the barbells are wet. Yeah, like Friday when it was raining sideways, and I wanted to go outside and do my workout, and I was like, everything is so wet. So, uh, you know, it's not that it's not that expensive. It's like, you know, 80 bucks a month for the family. It's not like it's a, a huge cost, but that's cost that, um, you know, when you think about spending that money, that's an investment in your health and yourself. Yeah, and we usually end up doing this for about three to four months out of the year where we can have access to it because the weather gets kind of bad every now and again. But it's Texas. We'll still have days where it's going to get up to 60 and 70 all through the winter. It's just sporadic like that. Right. Right now, it's just not the best weather. So, And, and the next few weeks is not going to be very good. So uh, this is just give us an opportunity to go go lift weights inside. By the time March rolls around, we'll be so tired of being inside Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll be back outside under the carport. And I still try to run in the winter. It's always, and it's always, I will just say, it's harder to be motivated when it's cold outside to go Mm -hmm. outside and be cold. Yep. It just is. So this time of year, motivation becomes a difficulty and for everybody. So let's all keep each other motivated to get out there and do things. (laughs) Well, it's a thing that just makes it easier on us because when you go to, you know, a gym, there's, there's plenty of equipment to use. You don't have to come up with exercises or, you know, or do, you know, tire flips or, you know, crazy stuff that you had to come up with in your head. Everything is right there and you can kind of shut down and listen to music and just lift weights and it makes it easy. It was hard for me today though because we haven't gone to a gym in a while and there was so much stuff. I was like, I don't do everything. I want to use all the pieces. So of I ended up just doing cleans and 
snatches like always and then deadlifts and stuff but I did realize that when I was doing my Olympic lifts and they have the cool wood platforms that you can do them on right. yeah but no one else was doing anything like that and I realized that I, I look around and a couple of people are looking at me like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> so because it's not literally a CrossFit gym although they do offer some CrossFit type classes yeah it's cool. So think about that when you start coming into winter. If you got to find something to motivate yourself, to keep you active, to keep you in shape, uh, you know, spend the money on that opposed to spending it on candy. Yeah, no candy. No candy. No candy. Oh, and something else. I'm trying to reach out to people on Facebook personally, uh, on my personal page, and I've been asking the question about keto meal prep services because this is something I've thought about people might be interested in. Or keto cooking parties. So, anyway, that's something going on with me. I'm dabbling. Well, we kind of gloss over at sometimes that you're you're a chef, like you went to school for it. And that's no big deal. And you're <laughs> classically trained in French cooking, and you're and you're really good at it. So we sometimes gloss over that uh, Melody is magic in the kitchen. That I twirl knives in the kitchen. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. I, and then we make it really. We joke now; it's really simple. We just eat, you know, meat and eggs and bacon and stuff. So our diet is really, really simple. But you know, I've seen Melody do a lot of crazy things in the kitchen that uh, I don't even understand. So we often gloss over the fact that that she really knows food. Yeah. So we're looking at. I would love to do like keto cooking parties, sort of like a pampered chef thing. But you don't have to buy products. We just come to your house. Teach you how to make a keto meal. You've got a chef nutritionist and a health coach personal trainer to just ask all the questions you want with you and a few of your friends. And you make the food, you eat the food, you enjoy the food and learn a few things. So that's something that I'm really bouncing around. So if you have any kind of like uh, feedback on that, you can send me messages on Instagram. That's where I'm at most of the time is Instagram. Right. Well... Yeah, if you, so if you got any good information on that, just share it with us or ask questions, and we'll be happy to start that conversation. Of course, we're only in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so... Right, but if you wanted to fly us out for a special event, we're not going to hey, argue. Hey, we're not going to argue. We also do speaking engagements. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so we do that. We do keto classes for different types of gyms and uh, corporate events and things like that. So if you're in uh, need of a couple of keto speakers... And uh, a motivational speaker and a chef nutritionist, then we're your couple. Yeah. We'll come out. So uh, that's about all we got for this week. Um, Anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you have a great day. Go out there, eat some fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.